Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Okay, we are back, and I have to say I'm quite excited to introduce all of you to Justin Gonzalez, who's located in lovely Austin, Texas. Justin, welcome. Thank you very much, and it's a pleasure to meet you, and I really appreciate you being my co-host for today's podcast. For sure, for sure. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Um, you and I were just talking um, about a lot of different things prior to today's podcast, and uh, I'm really interested to share with the listeners what you're doing to build such a kick-ass business with your wife, focusing primarily on centers of influence and past clients. But before we get to all of that, and uh, listeners, Justin has agreed to give us the real drill-down specifics of um, what exactly he's doing, what exactly he's saying, how frequently he's doing it, so you guys better be ready to take great notes. So, Justin, before we get into that, can you give them a little bit of background on who you are, where you're from, just let them know that, you know, everything everything you think to share. And by the way, guys, Justin's clearing his voice because he lives in Austin, Texas, and this time of year there's really bad allergies, <laughs> so you're, you're just going to have to put up I'm with it. I'm actually coming off of a seven-day cold hiatus. or I don't know what I had, but never <laughs> just, had it uh, until this year. So we live we live just oh, north sorry. of Austin, Texas. We no no worries. We yeah. just live north of Austin, Texas. My wife, who's mm-hmm. always had allergies, never had bad allergies. We move here yeah. without really having researched what the allergies are. And while here, Julie's developed asthma, and she's on five different inhalers and an allergy shots. It turns out Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. is the second worst place in the nation for allergies. So if you never had allergies yeah. before in your life, listeners, and you want to develop them, move to Austin, Texas. We got you covered. Move to Austin, Texas. Exactly. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, so Justin, let them know about you. Yeah. So, gosh, let's see. My elevator speech. Well, I got um, licensed in 2005. I uh, was working with a small brokerage at the time and um, had some life changes uh, after that in around 2009, 2010, where I got a divorce. And uh, my ex-wife at the time was in the business, and she was with a company that was paying her to do contract to close. And so I said, hey, you stay here. Let me go look for another brokerage. Uh, around that time, um, I was looking to see, you know, who was out there, what was going on. And um, I got invited to a mega camp, and it was kind of crazy because I lived in Austin since 1993 and been in the business since 2005 or so, and, and um, I never really knew much about Keller Williams, and I know that they, uh, after that, found out that they started in Austin. And anyways, I did a deal, a transaction with uh, a girl named Carly, uh, and who is actually my wife now. Uh, but she invited me to mega camp. She, <laughs> she, uh, at the time they were saying, Hey, if you invite 10 cappers or whatever, uh, to this conference, then you'll get your conference paid for. And she was like, great, just let me do the numbers and I'll, I'll invite 20 people. Well, I ended up being the only one who showed up at the, at the time, which I guess it's lucky for me. If some other guy would have showed up, maybe he'd be Mrs. Carly Gonzalez, who knows. But, um, anyway, um, I ended up joining Keller Williams in 2010 and, um, uh, we started a team at that point, and about a year later, we got engaged, and a year after that, in 2012, we got married, but um, we've uh, got a blended family. We've got uh, five kids between us uh, from the ages of 21 to 11, 
Um, and so we uh, worked really hard on uh, blending our family at the time and creating a business. And when we started together, uh, it was it was rough. And so we just um, started doing lots of different, uh, you know, like everybody else, you just drink the, the uh, fire hose water and try to make something stick. Uh, but what we found out once we got moving was that uh, open houses at the time were our thing and uh, a sphere of influence. So we did some things, and I'll get into that later. Uh, but as we went on, my wife and I uh, grew our business just between the two of us. We've never hired team members. We have a contract to close that we actually just pay per file. We've been doing that for about eight years. And we typically close between 20 to $25 million a year. And we have five kids who go to five different schools and 40 miles apart and, you know, all that. So in some of the chaos, we've uh, learned how to build this business and take care of our clients and have a good time uh, selling real estate. So yeah, <clears> that's well, the short I mean, of it, I guess. Making seven hundred and fifty grand to nine hundred thousand dollars a year isn't a bad lifestyle in Austin, Texas. I'm sure. Yeah, so, it's not so bad. Part, it's not bad. So, what part of Austin, Texas, do you guys uh, primarily focus on? So, I mean, Austin's you know it's huge. Uh, so they know yeah. where to send referrals to. Well, we we started um, because we are referral based. We go where the referrals go. We know Austin very well. Initially, when we first started our team, we were down in South Austin, so we worked like the Circle C, Southwest Austin area, and we still do that quite frequently. But uh, about three years ago, we moved up north to a little tiny town called Lugerville, or Peeville is what people call around here. Um, and we live over in a neighborhood called Blackhawk, which is um, uh, in Falcon Point, which is a master plan community, and it's growing like crazy over here in Hutto and Pflugerville. And so that's primarily where we're trying to stay, super hyper-local, but Still, we, I mean, we have listings in Georgetown. We have one in Buda right now. We've got six different listings that are spread out through the city. Uh, but we're really trying to, if you want to send a referral uh, to a place that we really, really are focusing on right now, we would love referrals in the Pflugerville, Hutto uh, area, Round Rock. And what's your cell phone number? 512-663-3964. Oh, dude, you did not just give your cell phone number to 25,000 people. You're crazy. I would never I have done did. that. I did. I did. Call me. Call me now. Send me all of your referrals. I'm not too busy. No, you know what? I give I give my cell phone number out and on this podcast, and I have to say, uh -huh. people do not abuse it. And you know, they'll okay. send me texts and they'll say what they did or didn't like or suggestions for a podcast. But we've got very respectful sure. listeners. Now, you said something a second ago, and I really liked it. Um, and I don't know if you meant to really drill down on this, but I'm going to drill down on it anyway. I love the fact that you guys are doing the volume you're doing, and it's essentially and you essentially have a, a very small like virtual staff. Because that tells me that you guys have killer gross to net. In other words, you guys are not making the typical shitty net that most teams make or even brokers yeah. make. And listeners, if you've not been listening to us for a long time, most brokers – I mean, the old joke is, you know, if you want to be, become broker, become a broker, you know. And that's never been more true. Yeah, exactly. Most brokers are happy to make 3%. Guys, that's 3% mm -hmm. net profit before taxes. Before personal expenses, yeah. and now the average broker is making less than two percent. It's just terrible. And the average team, yeah. you'll hear different things, <clears throat> but the average team is making ten percent or less. So the reality of it yeah. is, is that the most profitable thing in business and real estate is to do it the way Justin and his wife are doing it, the way we coach you guys yeah. to do it. So you guys have a small staff, weren't you? I mean, dude, you're in the <laughs> you're in the eye of Modor with regards to teams because Keller Williams here. How have you resisted yeah. the ego urge to build a team? 
Oh my gosh, that could that could take up the whole podcast. But uh, yeah, topic, we, we were all, well. We were always it was always crammed down our throat, especially because of the production we would do, and then we would get we were involved with the agent leadership council at Southwest Market Center for eight years. So it was always bigger, bad, bigger, badder, faster, whatever. Um, you know, drink it, drink it, drink it, and uh, we resisted the whole time. Uh, Why? We would run num. Well, because we ran the numbers and it didn't make sense. And you know, as you're building a team, you drop down this valley, and it's very rare that most people can climb back up that hill and financially make it out of there. And because we are around such great producing team agents. Well, we would sit down with them face to face and we're like, okay, it's just us, right? Nobody's around. What's, what's the real story here? And it's like, oh my God, I, I've got, you know, people are leaving me like crazy. And then, you know, I can't get, you know, this and that. And we're struggling. We're paying for this. And, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so we, every time we would meet with somebody who we respected and they were doing their thing really well um, from the outside. But personally, we were like, look, you know, um, the best thing we ever did was get married and <laughs> and uh, and keep it all in the same house. Uh, we always joke about hey, if you really want to become profitable, uh, either you know if you're single, go find somebody, put them in the business with you, or get your spouse out of whatever they're doing and move forward. You know if you can work together. But um, yeah, we've we've had the benefit of being well, let's, very let's, let's 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 level off there, bro, because <laughs> you just said something so powerful. These listeners really need to hear it because people are to this day not listening to that message. And we have people on the po- – I'll tell you, you, so you have these private conversations because you're in a leadership role within Keller Williams. Yeah. Julie and I have and the I'm same talking, conversation. When I, when I'm talking, yeah, when I'm Go talking ahead. to these people, I'm talking to people who are doing 60, 80, $120 million of sales a year, and we're, we're sitting there having dinner together and, and talking heart to heart about like if you could do it over again or what you know what's going on uh what would you do and i feel like once you start that animal you can't it's hard to cut it off okay so two um, questions and, just um, level off there yeah. level off there so why do they do it in the first place in your honest opinion okay and why do they keep doing it after they know that they're literally making no profit those two questions um, why I, do they start doing it why do they keep doing it well, from my experience, because of the people I was surrounded by, I can only speak there, um, is that sure. because they're, they're sold to do it. You know, it's, it's like, hey, you know, to achieve any kind of – if you're successful, which these agents are, it's like if you're really wanting to step out of your business and, um, you know, be a business owner, uh, this is what the model that you have to build, and this is how you do it. And I'm not saying that it doesn't work, because, but it, it, it's very far and few between – that I've met agents over the year that actually make it work. And even if they do, though, when I look at those numbers, I'm like, hmm, you know, um, I, I've done the math, the adding and the subtracting and, and looked at different things, and I'm like, well, it's great, but at the same time, I'm comfortable with where I'm at doing what I'm doing. But well, okay, honestly, I really but, feel like But why do they do it? Why do they do it? Because they don't have any – because they're caught in an echo chamber and everyone's saying the same thing, and because they don't exactly. necessarily and – they, and they don't necessarily well, and, have – yes. I would say they're doing it because they uh, – I don't want to offend anybody, but honestly, we've met with so many people who don't really understand numbers and how to really there run a profitable business. And so when we would talk to them, we were like, hey, did anybody ever sit down with you with you know, a net sheet and looking at this and these costs and this? Did you guys ever run these types of numbers and what it would take for you to get to X amount at a certain time? And they're like, nope. You know, we, just, we were just told, you know, 
at, if we were producing this, then we bring on this person and put that person in here. I was like, but what did the num what did the numbers say to you at that point? And they're like, we never thought of that. It was just about like where we were at transactionally. And, right. and to us, that just never made sense. And so every time people would come to us, they're like, oh, you guys, you know, when we hit 15 million, this is what you've got to bring on this person now. When we hit 20 million, now you got to bring on this person. And every time we kept running the numbers for ourselves and what we were doing, even though, you know, people were like, you, you must be going crazy. And, and we were like, you know what? It is busy, but it's not something that we can't handle. Um, and, um, um, and we just, we just stayed how we were. We stayed very lean and very profitable and that's, so, that's so how we liked it. There's two thoughts with that. Thank you for telling the truth. Okay. Honestly, that's <laughs> impressive uh, because most people yeah. lie about it, but you just said something else mm -hmm. too. And you, you said not trying to offend somebody. I don't worry about that because our podcast yeah. listeners, sometimes you have to offend people to get their attention, right? The fact yeah, is, exactly. is that most people get into real estate, they, and, and look, present company included with myself, obviously not with you. Yeah. I, you know, I just sure. had Julie show me how to use pages with Google Mail yesterday, okay? I mean, I don't, I'm <laughs> yeah. not what one would call a spreadsheet guy. So I'm as guilty yeah. as this as anybody, but you know, Julie and I have been in this industry for going on three decades, which is shocking for me to say out loud. When I got into this business, yeah. I was ignorant as how anybody was possibly at managing money. So with that said, most people get into this business and they have no business background. They have no business sense, and they are stuck in these broker paradigms. And they, they Keller Williams, and there's others now too. And our primary competitors as coaches, they're all telling you guys this because it benefits them primarily, not because it's what's best for you. And I want you to think about this because it's very simple. If I'm a broker and I can get you to basically, if I can coerce you into forming a team, then I'm going to form, then I'm going to get you to not just pay for coaching and training to hire your team members, but I'm also going to get you to do the shittiest job within a brokerage, which is recruiting other agents. So if you start yeah. producing as an individual agent, and then I say, listen, for you to be successful in our world, you have to now add this team member and this team member and this <clears> team <throat> member, and you're like, okay, if that's what I'm supposed to do, because you don't stop to say, well, hold on now, my job is to make a profit. One of the things we teach our coaching clients is the product in your real estate business is profit. The profit is how you gauge your success in this business, not the home sold, not the volume, not the plaques on the wall, not your fancy titles. It's yeah. the profit. And that's now you're speaking think. my language. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, but I'm like, but yeah, people would come to me and they'd be like, oh, we sold 100 homes this year. I'm like, great. You had 20 agents sell 100 homes. How much money did you make running all of that? And they would None. be like, oh, I made six. I made sixty-five thousand dollars this year. I was like, "Great! How long can you keep that up before you, um, you know, whatever, you pick it, get a divorce, uh, have to start taking medication, uh, whatever it is?" Now. Like, but, how long? But here's the argument. <laughs> but here's the argument. Here's what they'll say. Well, hold on now. I don't have to work with buyers and sellers anymore. I have my staff doing it. I can leverage my time and I can sit on a beach and pink lid, pink lid, lid on my uh, your no. lint out of my belly no. button. No, it doesn't work that way. No. All you're doing is basically. I, I have, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I've I've met you. I can tell you right now, in in my world, I've met all of those top agents that you would think that they're sitting somewhere on the beach drinking lemonade and and reading books or doing whatever. None of them do it. They have if they're not busy doing what we do as agents, uh, you know, not wor working with buyers and sellers. They're busy doing something else, which is a part of you know they're managing their team of twenty people or fifteen right. people or whatever. But they're not sitting around doing nothing. I can guarantee you that. That's right. And so, look, guys, the bottom line is – I didn't even know this about you. There's no easy button. <laughs> no, there's no easy button. But the lie – and it is a lie that you can basically – uh, the, 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 the team thing is a lie, listeners. 
the number of people, and Justin said it, I've heard, so Sean Kokoska is a very good friend of mine. And Sean Kokoska is uh, somebody who coaches people on how to basically scale their real estate practice, i.e. build teams. I was on a call with Sean the other day, and he said that 94% of all teams fail. And, and then he basically rattled off all the reasons why they fail. I think his statistic is right. I think he's true. I think yeah. what he was telling is probably the truth. But here's I the thing. I think it would be a little higher. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, but frankly, I, I would say maybe Sean. 98%, but sure. Sean's a good friend of mine, so I'm not going to argue with him. Oh, yeah. But the, real, no, but no, the no, reality no. of it is, is what does succeed mean? So, right, what does the definition of success mean? So when he said, uh, the, you know, the team succeeded, what did that mean? They stayed in business for two or three years? This is the reason it always goes back, listeners, and it's cool Justin, you and I are talking about this because it wasn't even on our list. The, the reality of it is is that if you really, guys, what we just said is the truth. The way you benchmark, you benchmark your, your success is not by anything other than the amount of profit you make. Oh, hold on, Tim. Profit, dirty word. I'm voting for Bernie in 2020. I get it, but here's the thing. You're not going to be successful – um, it, the profit comes. The profit is the litmus test of your ability to help people. And if you're not helping people accomplish the their time. exactly, yeah. that's it. So yeah. there's no, there's no. If you are somebody who is uh, who ruffles their feathers <clears throat> at the idea of being money focused, I get it. But just open your mind to what I'm saying. There's a direct yeah. correlation between the number of people you help at a high level and the amount of money and profit you make. So if you don't have a lot of money and profit, it's because you're not helping a lot of people. That's it. Yeah. There's, that's it. That's the whole equation. That's how – if you want to understand why some people have more, it's because they're helping more people at a high level. Does that resonate with you, Justin? Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, how did you come to this way of thinking? <laughs> I feel like I'm preaching to the choir talking to you. But how did you come to this way well, of thinking? Well, no, I – uh, I just I feel like I've been like this my whole life. I've always looked at things and just I've always wanted to know how they work. You know, I've traveled a lot growing up. I was in went to 17 different schools, five different high schools. I lived in Asia and Europe and saw a lot of different cultures and and I got became fascinated with you know um, not the shine of things but what's behind it. And I don't know where I specifically learned that from. Uh, so when I got into the real estate business, my most important goal was always how to stay profitable because I, you know, to me, profitability is longevity. And uh, I have this thing with uh, like uh, mafia movies where these guys rise to power and they're, you know, they're on top of the world. And then all of a sudden they make these mistakes and they're, you know, of course they're doing, you know, illegal things, but they're at, you know, they're in jail or they die or whatever. And I was like, you know, how does somebody stay up there? How does somebody stay, uh, you know, uh, the number one, number two person for such a long time. And to me, after I thought I started talking to a lot of successful people that were doing it right, their number one answer at the end of the day, after they were talking and saying a lot of different things was profitability. Um, and then I started looking at, well, how were they profitable? And it was really because they were, they were running a lean team. It was either, um, you know, them and their spouse or them and somebody else. And, and um, it, was, it was never this mega stuff. And um, I just saw the failures over and over again. And I said, you know what, I'm just, I'm not, I'm yeah. never going to go down that road. I don't, and it, you know, but the, what the, what the crazy thing is, is it's so shiny. It is so easy to chase that. And you get two to three years into it. And then you turn around and you look at what, you know, like, what have I really accomplished? You know, I, I hired, you know, uh, 15 people, and now I still only have two, or you know, whatever. Uh, well, so well, let's let's level just, off there. Let let's level off there because here's the thing that podcast listeners, you guys got to understand: where you're going to discover. We're telling you now to 
uh, be okay with stop doing what you're doing in, uh, if it's not working. There's a difference between quitting, yeah. listeners, and quitting while you're ahead. Yeah. But the problem is if you wait too long and you wait for the market to change and then you're stuck with all this mm-hmm. overhead, are you able to financially support your business and personal life for six months? Because you're not. You know you're not. And what's going to happen is, is you're going to be personally and professionally wiped out, and your ego is not going to let you basically reverse direction. And then you're going to – look, guys, I don't want to paint this horrible dark cloud, but I, back in 07 and 08, this is what happened. Yeah. And we saw the yeah. devastation that happened with individual agents and their families and brokerages. And, guys, it doesn't take a long, long-term shitty market like we had before. It can be 30 yeah. days, 90 days. Interest rates go up. There's some freaking thing that happens out in Iran, and people freak out, and whatever, whatever. And then all of a sudden, the market stalls out for six months, and you have all these hungry, angry, pissed-off buyer's agents that are asking for their leads, and Zillow changes. All this crap happens. You're out. You're wiped out. Mm-hmm. It's stupid, guys. It just doesn't make sense to run your business that way if you're not based. So here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to say, and I want you to listen to me. Your team is not working, not because you're defective. You're not doing anything wrong. Okay, you're not a bad leader. You don't need to take more classes. You don't need to learn more about managing people. You do not need to work on your culture or your brand or your logo or your website. That's not the problem. The problem is you're following your city business model. That's it. So give yourself permission to go in a different direction so you can focus on profitability. I think you can just drop the phone right there. Yeah. (laughs) But isn't that the truth, though? (laughs) Have you ever heard anybody say it like that? Have you ever heard of anyone say it like that? Yeah, not really, because it, 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 it is the truth, but it's not shiny, you know. So, yeah. uh, well, the truth oh is, God. is that it's it's also saying this, which we say in our podcast every day. This is where everybody's going towards. This I've heard other people like you that are willing to tell the truth about it. But here's what's fascinating too: it is absolute teams in particular have become like a cult or a religion. And when you start talking out yeah. against them, people want to hold you out as a heretic and like you know see if you're you test to see if you're a witch. I mean that's what happens. Exactly. No, you're right. Anyway, all right. I think we covered that. <laughs> Yeah, so, I, I think I think said, so. You guys get it, guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it's fun to talk about, though. So, so if yeah, you, let's let's not kind of, you, you said something else a second ago that I really appreciated. Why did you? You said profit. You said you had a global perspective. I could tell you and your wife have a lot of you know. You're. I have a sense about you that you guys have a long list of things you want to do with your lives, travel, things like that. Yeah. What What is it? So, uh, like, what what drives you? I'm not asking what your one thing is because there's never one thing. It really, in all reality, there isn't. But what is it in all reality that's what's driving you to continue to make sure you're staying online and not chasing the shiny thing and you're going for a profitable business? How do you do that? How do you keep yourself on track? Well, so it kind of goes back in my history. Uh, when I was around 20 years old, I um, uh, I lost a really close uncle of mine. And uh, he had cancer, and fortunately and unfortunately, we were able to spend some time together before he passed away. And um, really at the beginning of my life, and, you know, he was in his 30s and had a son, and he was about 10 years old. And there was just a lot of things that he was talking to me about at that point about, you know, um, regrets or things that he wished he could do. But the things, not only... What, what he should have done, uh, you know, or what he wanted to do, but the things what really resonated with me were the things that he was going to miss. 
he was going to miss um, his son graduating from high school. He was going to miss his son graduating from college. He was going to miss his son getting married. He was going to miss his son, you know, and he started listing all these things. And I thought, you know, he's talking about him and his death, but then I, I've watched so many people in their lives, they've missed those same things and they've been here. They've been, you know, they've had the kids and, and, and they've gone to work and they've focused on spending time doing other things. And, and that became very important to me. So quickly around 20 years old, I was looking for a vehicle where I felt like I could spend, and here is my one thing, my one thing is to spend the most amount of time around the people that I love and care about. And so I was looking for a vehicle that allowed me to put myself in the driver's seat because you hear it all the time. You're like, oh, you know, real estate, I want to get in because I want to be my own boss and dictate my own schedule. That is true, but it's also a lie because when you're, you know, doing um, high volume and you're, you're answering your phone and, and you don't, you know, some people don't put in parameters or whatever, it can take over your life. But it did allow me the flexibility to dictate not being somewhere um, at a certain time every day from nine to five or working, you know, 12 hour days uh, the way I saw a lot of people, men and women around me at the time doing. And so I found real estate, um, what became my vehicle. And in the amount of time, you know, since 2005 uh, that I've been able to spend around the people that I love and care about and really spend good time with them. You know, I pick up my kids from school. I'm at their games because I scheduled them into my life. You know, those are appointments. Um, and so I try not to miss them at all. And so that brings me joy. And the more and more that I get to see my kids grow up and live their lives, it motivates me more to want to help other people achieve their goals of buying, selling, investing, or whatever it is. And so that motivates me. And um, that's, that's my one thing. <clears throat> Dude, that is a crazy story. That's unbelievable. And for you to have had yeah. that experience when you're that young, too, that is amazing. But so how yeah. do you but how do you keep so. yourself on check on that man? I mean, look, there's so many damn things that are trying to pull at your ego. So many, how many calls have you gotten? You know, texts have you gotten? Hey, dude, have you done this? And, and you know, Facebook yeah. page. Where am I supposed to spend my money on? And all these things that agents are uh -huh. doing. How do you? But how do you yeah. say no to all that stuff? How do you? And look, you were in the you were in the heart of Modor, like I said earlier, with regards <laughs> to all the pressures to form teams. How do you stay? This yeah. is really the essence of what where agents get distracted is because they don't yeah. have the fortitude like you did because of that experience yeah. to stay true to that yeah. specific mission. How do you do it? How do you keep yourself in balance and check on that? Well, because I say to myself when I'm looking at my day, when I'm looking at my week, when I'm looking at my month, I say, you know, I tell myself, if you say yes to one thing, that means you're also having to say no to something else. So mm -hmm. looking at my why, looking at, you know, just, just different things, whether it's clients or my family or whatever it is, I have to always ask myself, okay, um, if I do this, what kind of, you know, what man hours am I going to have to put into this? And if I say yes to this legion tool or this, you know, way of style of, of calling people at certain times or whatever, what, what am I also saying no to? And then, you know, I kind of look at them, write them down, and then, you know, figure the things out and then move forward. And I'm not perfect at it, but these are the things that my wife and I both um, focus on. We go, we have, it's just the two of us, but every single year since 2010, we've gotten away and we've gone uh, out somewhere and we've had a business meeting with just the two of us. And some people could say, that's stupid, but it's not. It's wearing it's different not. hats. And, you know, because we're, because we're married, you know, I have you know, the husband hat, the friend hat, the business person hat, and we get away every year and we do our big rocks first and we put them in and we just fill in around them. Um, and it's worked for us. We've been able to, you know, again, life isn't perfect. I don't want to sit here and say that my life doesn't have its problems. And I sometimes make the wrong choices where I say yes to something. And then I 
ultimately say no to something else, but I don't allow too much time to go by if I'm making those consistent mistakes. And the other thing too is that we just, we focus down every year on just doing three to four funnels to capture leads or, or work with our SOI. And we don't deviate from that. We do it for 12 months. And then when we meet again, we say, okay, what worked? What didn't work? What do we need to change? And then we do it from there. There's too many people who are like, I tried this for a day. I tried this for three days. I tried this for a week. And they're very inconsistent, you know, hit or miss. They're, you can't find them anywhere or they're not building a foundation Justin, long enough. Be, be, to test we're going to talk now. about, we're going to talk about lead gen in a second, but I want to go back. You just yep. said something. I don't even know. Do you know where the whole big rocks analogy came from, by the way? Do you know who originally came up with that? You know, I, I don't, but I heard it enough. You, I'm sure you know. Um, I heard well, it a lot I, as far as big rocks or. I, I, I don't, and I know you, I can tell you're a guy of integrity too, so I'll tell you. So next time you can reference the guy who actually came up with that concept. So, you know, back in the 90s, uh, Julie and I were Howard Britton stars, and there was a guy that was within Howard Britton that was doing a lot of personal coaching amongst the stars. His name was Dr. Fred yeah. Gross. And the analogy is, okay. he came yeah. up with that. And the analogy is, and it's really good, is in essence that if you have a jar, and he would actually physically do this to, to demonstrate it. Yeah, I if thought you, somebody it, did that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, well they, they got, got it from Fred. Concept. They got it from Dr. Gross. All they right. probably didn't give him credit for it, you know. But I mean, so, no. so you explain it. But Justin, you explain it. Go ahead and explain it so the podcast listeners So basically, can you have a cylinder. Uh, you have a glass cylinder, like a flower vase, right? And then you take these big rocks and you set them in first, and then you take smaller rocks and then you just drop them in. And what happens is they settle in around the big rocks, and then eventually they. I think this person took some sand and then they poured it into there. And so it was, you know, starting with those those big rocks and then pouring everything else around it. So. That was the concept that I got from it, you know, as far as looking at our week-to-week life or our month-to-month. Um, well, the, you know, so, that's so, what we so, – Yeah. So Brett, the and I'm probably not doing guys, that justice. Yeah. Well, no, you're close. The essence of it, guys, is that the big rocks are the things that matter most to you in life. And if you've never defined what those big rocks are for you, and you heard what Justin yeah. said, he's, he's, you know, his is spending time with his family. If you don't define what those big rocks are for you and you don't, you don't essentially hold on to those things as your true north, yeah. other people will define what your big rocks are for you. That's what's happened largely yeah. in our society. <laughs> People are finding themselves attracted to, well, like we can stick it to real estate, right? Oh, my big rock is I'm going to work on my team. Or my big rock is I'm going to sell 300 houses just so I can get some, you know, double shiny, triple star diamond award this year or whatever it is. So other people will co-op your potential and you'll burn away years and years of your life because someone else has defined what your big rock should be for you. Whereas in all reality, we all basically, unless you're a sociopath, if we're you know, getting to it, it you're, you're going to be motivated by the same thing as everybody else is, but you'd have to define what those things are. Now, the jar where the rocks go, you have to put the big rocks in first because what happens is is all the small rocks are all the dumb things that basically we (laughs) fill our days with, and the little granular pieces of sand are even the dumber things, and if you put all those things in first, there's no room for the big rocks, and then you're dead, (laughs) I mean, in essence. Mm -hmm. So that's how you think of it. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. I think analogy. A, key, a, key, a key word that you said, and I think a lot of people don't spend enough time doing this, is finding out what those big rocks are. They don't, sure. have, you know, somebody else's why is completely different. But I think one of the mistakes that when I meet with people, when I actually just have a real conversation, sometimes I meet with even successful agents, and they, and it's not even about their why. It's just they don't even know why sometimes they do what they do. It's just. You know, and and most of that comes absorbs most of their time, and 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 they haven't even really looked at. And it's not just profitability in a number, but profitability in your life period. 
So I think really, you know, when you're talking earlier about people starting over uh, and not having the courage to do it or the things that they're doing wrong, really point one, what, what you just said before and now is defining those. If you don't know what those big rocks are, I would say start there first, period, you know, and, um, and go from there. So. Well, so how does someone figure that out? <laughs> well, I, I could say how I would do it. Uh, and that's what I've told you that my, my wife and I have done every single year. You actually put it in your schedule and you plan it and you get away. Get away from your house, your business, your office. You go take some time to sit with yourself and you, you, you go over things. You write them down. You know, because sometimes, you know, big rocks for, and you have two people when we go out and meet, we've got to put things on, on a list and figure out what, what works for her, what works for me. We get our list together and then we go over that. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes those rocks, maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's, hey, this is a rock for me, but let's try that next year, you know? And so well, you don't let, discard them. Let me give them a system. To the side. You know, it's funny, Justin, again, we haven't talked about a single thing we said we were going to talk about, which is awesome. It's the best podcast. I know. Yeah, that's, so, that's fine with me. <laughs> yeah, me too. But uh, but so Julie and I had done – so we've been married for uh, – hold on, let me do the math. What is – 28 years this year. We got married yeah. when we were 20 and 21. For those of you who want to do the math, that makes Julie and I 48 and 49. So we have done that every single year, and we call them Harris Summits. <laughs> and uh, okay. one of the things one That's of the nice. things we learned is that you know you've heard this before, but just for the podcast listeners can take what we're saying and make something practical and tactical of it. There's five, arguably six, but there's five distinct areas of life where most people will you know look back upon saying these are the things that are most important to me. It's educational, yeah. it's spiritual, it's family, it's uh, financial, and it's physical. So doing it backwards, mm-hmm. physical, financial. Uh, spiritual, family, and educational. The the five things are sometimes called different things. Now, podcast listeners, please listen to what I'm saying. Uh, Don't seek balance in life. That's bullshit. And I know some of you are offended that I said that. Not not because I said bullshit, (laughs) but because there's no such thing as balance. That's the truth. Because what's going to happen? There is no balance. And to seek balance puts you out of balance. But what's going to happen is as you go through life, different things, and this is how it's supposed to work, will will mean different things to you. So when you're younger, for example, maybe you're more focused on physical and financial, and then you get married, and then you're focused on different things, and you're older, maybe you focus on spiritual, those types of things. But don't worry about having, oh, I have to spend exactly 20% of my life in each of those five things, so I'll have perfect balance in my life. Don't do that. It won't work. That said – when when you're doing your version of the Harris Retreat or Harris Summit, what you should do is you should say, okay, I'm okay this year with us not f- focusing on this specific category, and maybe it's, you know, pick one. Maybe it's, um, you know, spiritual. Maybe spiritual is not going to take priority in your life this year. That's fine. You're really going to focus on physical. Okay, so what's the physical goal? All right, so you want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, great. So write that down. There's the goal. So goal is a dream with an action plan. So you write the goal down, lose 20 pounds. Now, in order for the goal to be real, you have to have a deadline when you're going to be have it accomplished by. Otherwise, you will not do it. So you're going to lose 20 exactly. pounds. And you're going to lose 20 pounds in the next six months. Don't give yourself a year because you know you won't do it. You'll procrastinate it and you won't do it. Okay, now what are you going to do? Then you have to have an action plan. So a goal is a dream with an action plan. It has to be a, have a specific deadline, listeners. So you're going to say six months. Then you're going to make the action plan. I'm going to give you your action plan to lose 20 pounds because it works. Here it is. Ready? I want you to join Orange Theory, go at least three or four days of the week, (laughs) hate every second of it like everybody else who goes, and then go low carb. That works for everyone no matter what age you are. Study all this stuff yourself. Get that pyramid right. I don't want to get your pyramid right. (laughs) 
So, but that's that's your whole that's your game plan. There it is. I just gave it yeah. to you. So if you want to have some others of like, okay, my we have a goal of uh, an educational goal. You can you know, education is one you can have fun with. You know, you want to take a cooking class in Florence, Italy. Well, that sounds awesome, right? Okay, when are you going to do it? Pick a date. Okay, where are you going to do it? Pick the place. Pick the price. Pick the you know, the, and then create the plan to create the revenue. That's how you actually accomplish things, and those become your big rocks. And um, yeah. here's a fun question. I'm going to ask you this, Justin, actually, post, so I can stop pontificating. So, and uh, then we're going to go back and talk You're about You're doing a great job. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so um, I had too much coffee. So here, I have a question for you, and this is a way to kind of frame yeah. out a goal setting. It's six months from now. You're, you, and your, uh, you and your brood, because you guys have a ton of kids, you're visiting Julie and I and Jean, right, in Puerto Rico. Yeah. We're sitting on the beach. Yep. And I'm going to ask you and your lovely bride, what are the things that you're most proud of having accomplished in the last 12 months? And then just choose five things. What will those things be? Ooh. Um, wow, gosh. Uh, so number one would be to we we want to hit a goal of selling 52 homes in our local area in our super hyper local focus. Um, they will be uh, finishing up doing a whole year of my wife started taking these bar classes and she wanted to do that and then I wanted to consistently swim for health. Um, so being staying on target for that. Uh, we wanted to take, uh, we are, we've already got it planned, but so finishing up with the two trips we're going to do with the kids, that's three or four? Where am I at with that? I think I have three, right? Four. Um, and then, um, uh, oh, yeah, we, <laughs> for years we've been trying to write our will. If we get our will written this year, I'll be so thankful for that. Because um, every time I travel, I'm like, we didn't do our will. Um, and then what else? Uh, I that think that's depressing, bro. Yeah. I know, right? Well, well we just met about it yesterday to get some things done, but you know, we'll figure it all let's out. Let's go back. Let's go back to the first one though. Cause I want <laughs> listeners to understand how you think when you said you wanted to okay. sell X number of houses, why specifically that number? What was the reasoning behind that specific number? Um, 52 because we wanted to do one a week, uh, in, in our sphere, in our, this year, one of our things that we met about last year was that we, we do enjoy and, uh, uh, you know, going all over the city, but we really wanted to focus down. And so we just came up with, we wanted to sell one home a week in our, in our local sphere area. <clears throat> Okay, that makes sense. But what what specifically with that number regards to the money? Like you didn't just say you know an odd number just for the sake of the number. You actually, I'm sure, broke it down to the average commission and then de you know defining where the money was going to go in the individual aspects of your life. I'm sure you did that, correct? Yes, I mean in total we did, but yes, I mean all, overall our goal uh, all together was to sell uh, 95 this year. And of the 95, we wanted 52 to come out of the 95 from our local area. Okay, very and good. And then, yeah, so, and it generated a certain amount, yeah. So. Okay, so let's move and talk about, unless you have something else you want to talk about, let's talk about lead generation. Your business is primarily based on uh, centers of influence and past clients. And you guys have yes. a very good drill-down plan on how to go after 
um, you know, to create obviously seven hundred fifty to nine hundred thousand dollars a year, you're obviously doing more right than wrong. So specifically, share with the listeners how you create this plan and what you do, and how you proactively work that list. Um, well, we so I would start with uh, appreciation. Uh, I think we touch our clients four times a year, once a quarter. Uh, with client appreciation. So we've done uh, one happy hour, and then every year uh, in Austin, there's this place, it's called the Alamo Draft House. It's really popular, and people love to go to it with their, you know, kids and everything. And so we rent out the movie theater, and we always pick the top summer movie. We just got finished with that. It was Toy Story 4, um, and we sold that out, 150 seats. Um, and just get together with the families and tell them thank you. And we do, you know, we got gift bags for the kids and some other things that we did. Um, and then we do uh, events at, at our house specifically for, um, and I don't know if you want me to get into, not it's it. not just for past clients. It's, it's, it's about connectors and influencers because those are people who they may not have ever bought a home with us, but they've helped us find eight to 10 people um, that have sent us, uh, you know, leads and so we really want to tell them thank you so we invite them to our house and we you know we cater and do music and just different things um and then uh, we have another happy hour event in the fall and are you know connected to the holidays and uh so we do that consistently and um we're constantly how, how do you know if someone sent you a lead let's let's talk about that how do you know like how do you know that uh, someone calls you and said, I want to sell a list by whatever. How do you, you ask, tell, tell the listeners how you go about finding out where that, how that lead came in contact with you. We just ask them, you know, oh, great. You know, thank you for calling us. We really appreciate it. How did you hear about us? And then they tell us, you know, so-and-so sent me, so-and-so sent me. Um, and that's typically how it happens. Uh, we don't do any type of internet marketing. So um, for the most part, when we get leads like that, it's either from a listing call that we have. Uh, we're about 50-50. Actually, it's 60-40. So we have 60% listing market share in our business and 40% buyers. So we do get, a, um, not, I wouldn't say a lot, but we get signed calls, um, you know, with people that we don't know. And then, you know, either I do open houses or coming back to, you know, referrals. And so we ask them. Uh, and at these events, though, we ask for the business as well. Um, you know, we tell oh. people, you know, we enjoy, um, so we have, well, most of the time it's through, um, uh, giveaways. Sometimes we'll say, okay, um, uh, uh, if you fill out this, um, referral form and you send us some referrals, you get your name in this basket and you get a, you know, a Yeti cup or whatever it is. We tie it into that mo motivation there. And, and then we also leave these pieces of paper on each at the Alamo. They each have a, a, a table that they can eat on because you can order food at this movie theater. And so it's there, and we mention it, and then uh, we just ask for the business. And we also have partners, though, too, that we talk to. There's a, probably about a group of 10 people that we actually partner with, um, and we say we, we make goals together. We're like, hey, you know, we sent you this much business this year. How much are you going to send us this year? And so it's like, okay, you, you know, we sent you 20. You're going to send us five. That's great. We're going to put you down for five. <laughs> and so we've been doing that for a while. So listeners, um, I'm going to share with you a tip. Sometimes when you ask people, why are you calling me, they'll actually sometimes say, well, I saw you sold the neighbor's house. 
but you got to make sure you ask again and maybe in a slightly different way why they called you because then you're going to find it wasn't just that they saw the sign. It's that the, actually the person they sit next to in church was a past client and told you to call. So uh, sometimes when these yeah. guys will call you, they won't necessarily tell you what the real source was. And when Justin said he, go, he seeks out who his influencers are, for him to know somebody's tried to send him multiple leads, it's not just it, – it's any kind of lead. If they send you any kind of business, whether the business closes or not, you want to reward them and thank, thank them oh, yeah. and gold plate them. It doesn't matter if you got paid. If someone's thinking of you mm-hmm. as a real estate person, you need to love on that person like, like crazy. And that's, you know, we do. Every the first single, thing that we do when somebody yeah. sends us, no matter whether they close or we get the lead or not, we send them a gift card to Starbucks or my, we've got Starbucks, Target, you name it, we have it. And it, immediately it's a handwritten note to that person with the gift card and it thanking them very much for thinking of us and sending that person to us. And then they get invited to the other things. But immediately uh, within that week, they're getting a handwritten note, thank you, with a gift card inside of it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Good. So I love this movie idea, and I, that's idea's been around, around forever, and it's such a solid idea. Can you share with yeah. – you said 150 people. I'm sure the podcast listeners are thinking, oh, my God, he had to spend a billion dollars, and this guy's supposed to be all focused on net. Can you tell them what you, how much that cost and how you got the word out, and what, just the whole system behind it? Well, we, the first time we went nuts, and we just kind of took care of everything, but uh, we've kind of dialed it back some. Um, because I mean, it, you know, the cost of for us to do it the first time was about five grand, right? Um, but that was because we were we were not learned learned in that <laughs> that uh, that <laughs> way of theater. doing things. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I went to somebody who was a professional on doing it every year, and I was like, "Hey, what did I do wrong?" And they're like, shaking their head. They're like, "Let me tell you." And so anyway, we knocked it back a lot. And uh, one of the things we didn't do first was, you know, if you're doing a certain amount of volume, or even if you're not. You have partners in crime with you. You have your lenders. You have yep. title companies who they can't sponsor you, but they can be an advertiser, you know, or they can buy some seats or there's clever ways to get around different things like that. Um, insurance people, uh, flooring, you know. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, not get around. He, he, he didn't. There's ways to get other people to participate so they could also uh, enjoy the benefits of um, spoiling yes. those same people that were their centers of influence and past clients were certainly not advocates of getting around anything that has to do with uh, RESPA. Yes. Certainly not. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. We're not getting around anything. You're right. We're, no, we're no. doing it the right way. Yeah. Doing it the right way. There. Exactly. <laughs> there, so the right way, by the way, listeners, is that the advertiser pays the movie theater directly. The money does directly, not flow yes. through you as the agent. And it goes wow. directly to the movie theater. Yeah. Right. She shows up to the thing and she says, thank you very much. And she talks about titles. She talks about thanking the people that closed with her. And she also talks about refis and everything else. Yep. And then at the end, she walks up to the lady who's in charge of everything. And she, you know, she runs her card. And we don't put them as a sponsor. They are advertisers because that's what they're doing. Yep. So Okay. That was important that we got that um, down. Yeah. yeah. But you're not so buying them popcorn. Now is we, right? No. You're, so you're not buying them concessions. Not anymore. Yeah. Right. So, we'll Not anymore. Now, this last, so, <laughs> so we went from five grand. I think this last time that we came in with sponsors, our out of pocket was about a thousand dollars for a six thousand dollar event. And how that happened was when we came in, we bought the seats, we rented the movie theater out, but people paid for their own tabs, um, and then our sponsors con- or uh, advertisers contributed to the bottom line as well. Um, and so we just got a good group of people together that have been servicing our sphere of influence and really appreciative of, you know, whatever referrals they got, whether it was from insurance to, you know, handyman services, whatever it is, 
the people who we got to partner with us were thankful for our reciprocation of uh, using them as part of our team, you know, with our clients. And so they're very happy to do it. Um, I never would like uh, – one of the things I said when we first started it, if we were going to get people to come advertise or sponsor the event, was I was never going to beat down on somebody where I didn't actually provide benefit to them. And so it's a lot easier when you're actually using these people and, and they're seeing, um, you know, the the reciprocity of, of the, the the relationship coming around um, where you're not just asking them for money and not giving them any benefits to service your clients. So that I would say that that's a key as well. So Yeah, exactly. Um, so now just to, but yeah. little hacks to this, guys. Definitely get advertisers to help pay for it. Don't buy concessions. Mm -hmm. They'll buy their own concessions. Yeah. And the actual hard yeah. cost of renting out a movie theater is because uh, mm -hmm. this is happening on like the lowest, you know, Saturday afternoon when virtually nobody else yeah. is there. The movie theater wouldn't have yeah. anybody in it in the first place. Uh, it's not expensive. So, what, less than two grand, I'm guessing? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you think about that. And, and every year we get great referrals from it. People are sure. – it's interesting how – you're, you know, uh, when when people come together like that and you're talking about, you know, just the energy and, and people are writing down things and somebody, you know, the competitiveness of it, too, is like, oh, yeah, no, I forgot. So-and-so just told me the other day that they were going to think about, you know, selling their house and the conversations that people start having when they're in, with a group of people who, you know, want to help you succeed. And the things that, you know, they're like, oh, my gosh, I totally forgot. My cousin is moving here in three months. They needed a realtor. I forgot to tell you about that. So it's kind of cool to see that magic happen. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about – I noticed that you switched uh, brokerages. You were with Keller Williams for <laughs> yes, eight years, almost a decade. And at Keller yeah. Williams, you kind of rose through the ranks of the – you know, the, you had all the fancy titles, and you were deeply behind the red curtain. You weren't just drinking the Kool-Aid. You were actually back there mixing it, right? I mean, that, am oh, I overstating it? Yeah, it was. I was mixing it and pouring it and adding the right amount of sugar, all of that, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, and uh, so we won't go the, the Kool-Aid thing. Obviously, ends in the James uh, uh, Jim Jones analogy, but we'll stop while we're ahead. So, as as far yeah. as that goes, why did you go to EXP? You left Keller Williams and you went to EXP. That and, oh, and you're in the heart of Austin, Texas, in Keller Williams land. How did you possibly think to do that? You heretic. Oh, this one, this one's a great one. You're gonna love this story. So, do you want the truth or you want me to sugarcoat it? <laughs> Oh, uh, no, we want the lie. <laughs> you want the lie? Okay. Good. No, go ahead. So, um, yeah, so when um, when uh, my wife and I first started teaming up together, we uh, had a coach at the Northwest Market Center for a little while. His name was Gene Frederick, and he was also the team leader at the time. And um, this is a funny story because Gene was mad at me for years because Carly was a great agent, and she was producing, and he kind of took her under her wing, and then I came in and messed everything up because – we went from the Northwest Market Center down to the Southwest. So every time, you know, I'd see Gene at an event or like a bold thing, he'd like nudge me a little. He's like, you took my best agent from me, man. You, you owe me. You owe me. And so uh, that was a joke for – I don't think it was – it was a joke for me. I don't think it was a joke for Gene. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so, uh, yeah. So anyways, we went to the Southwest Market Center. And uh, like you said, you know, year over year, uh, our production grew. Uh, we became, you know, part of Agent Leadership Council, and and I I, I can say this absolutely, but I I did love where I was at, um, and I love the people, I love the culture, um, I love what I was doing, and honestly, I was never ever going to leave Keller Williams. And when we decided that we were going to leave, we were going to go out on our own um, and just be a small, 
uh, small brokerage here and, and, you know, just going, staying with the theme of, of, of net profit for us. Um, so, and, and, but we also didn't see any reason to, to, we were seeing the benefits of being connected and, and, um, I also looked at, um, expanding. Um, I'm also licensed in the state of Washington. So about two years ago, um, you know, I started looking into doing agent expansion, uh, as far as hiring, I was hiring family up there, not like building a big team, but I was like, I brought my sister on and we were going to, uh, you know, build the, the family model. Um, and so anyway, backing up, uh, about four years ago, um, I knew that Gene had retired <clears throat> and then all of a sudden I started hearing these things about how he was selling his regions and his market channels. I was like, what the heck is he doing? So I texted him, I was like, Gene, what is going on? Uh, and he's like, hey, hey, you gotta meet, we gotta meet, we, you, I've gotta share something with you, I've found it. And I was like, what did you find, Gene? And, uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> he was so excited. And, uh, uh, so anyway, we ended up meeting at a, at a hotel lobby. This is before he got his famous, um, uh, booth at his, uh, at the corner bakery. Um, but, uh, we met in this lobby and, and he starts talking to us about how he found Netflix and, you know, and, and he was so excited and he was like, I, I, you know, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, he's, you know, if anybody knows Gene, he's a writer. So he, he gets these papers and he just starts going and, and painting this picture. And, you know, I, honestly, in two seconds, I was sold. I was like, this guy's, you know, energy and where he's going, I'm, I'm ready to go right now. Sign me up where I got to sign. Um, you know, and at the time I remember him saying, and you know, we're, you're, we're trading, you know, and you get stock and, you know, I'm still learning these different things, but I'm telling you that I've done the numbers and it's amazing. And so, you know, it's right now it's trading at three cents a share. And I was like, holy cow, okay, Gene, you're excited about three cents a share. Uh, you know, and so we walked away from the meeting, uh, very respectful to, and the thing was, is that, you know, we respected Gene a lot and that's why we, we went to him and said, Hey, you know, let's meet, um, you know, he, let's meet and hear what he has to say and, and hear it out. But when we left, um, my wife is a little bit more conservative and she was, you know, just kind of keeping us on the straight and narrow. She's like, I just don't have enough information to know what's going on here and how would this affect our net profitability and what's this about and what's that about. And, um, you know, so I trusted it. I've, I've always learned to trust my wife's gut at the time. Uh, and so I just kind of stayed back and I was like, okay, you know, well, whenever you're ready, you know, let's go. And so a couple of years went by, um, four years actually. And uh, we've seen Gene a couple of times. <laughs> it wasn't four months, it wasn't four days, it was four years. Oh, little And um, just, I was keeping tabs, you know, with Gene, and we would text every once in a while, and we would meet up, and he would share things with me. Um, but uh, so this is where it gets really good. Um, I was looking for a little bit of a change. Uh, about two years ago, uh, I really liked teaching and training and doing some different things. And so I started drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit myself or trying to figure out um, you know, maybe just a little bit of a change. And so I started interviewing for the team leader position at the Southwest Market Center. Um, a lot of people, honestly, well, I don't know how many people are listening now, but there's, it's good, it's out there. Uh, so started interviewing for the position and, and interviewed for it for six months. Um, long story short, I was offered that position in December of 2017. And I came back home and, um, you know, I was told, you know, this is an amazing opportunity for you. You're at the Mecca. You're at Southwest number one. You're, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I believed all of it. And I was. And it was a great opportunity for me 
to do something at, that I felt like I wanted to do at the time. Um, and so I came back home and I talked to my wife and I said, look, uh, I ha- you know, I, I got the position. Um, I could start in January. I was like, but for some reason, you know, with that whole saying yes to something and saying no to something else, I wrote down all of these things. And when I was writing it down on one of my no list was EXP. And so I went back to my wife and I said, you know, we should really talk to Jean one more time. And she went nuts. She was like, why? Why? I don't want to talk about EXP anymore. I don't want to see this. I don't want to do that. Just, you know, let's not, if you know my wife, you you know her personality. She's a redhead. She's very energetic and she's very to the point. And uh, she's like, I don't want to do it. And I was like, just do this for me. Just let's go meet with Jean one more time. And so we went and met with Jean and another uh, lady who names Elizabeth Riley. And we got all the question answered. And, you know, and at the time, I think I was like, hey, Jean, how's that stock going? And I was like, it was like three cents before, right? And he goes, oh, yeah. And he gets his phone out. And he takes it out and pulls it up and it was like $18.50 a share. And I was like, I started sweating a little. And um, so <laughs> anyway, because then my brain started going because I knew what they were, you know, like at that time when it was your certain amount of agents in the company, what they were giving you for your first transaction and yada, yada, yada. So I was like, oh, my God. Um, so um, we got the numbers and we went back home and started talking and I said, you know what? I, I think that I, not just with the agent attraction piece of, of EXP, but I can no longer because of the volume that we do and the percentages and the stock. I, I am like what you talked about earlier. I'm in that part of my life where I'm thinking about my future. I'm thinking about retirement. I'm looking at people who've been in this business for a long time. And to be honest with you, even smaller uh, husband and wife teams or small teams, you know, uh, you, you, when you're working, a lot of, you know, yes, we're making good money, but the retirement of, uh, um, aspects of it just aren't in the horizon. We don't think about well, level, that a lot. Level off there, but, but level off right there. First of all, you don't sound that old. Second of all, uh, that's really a good point. I'm about and to this is a, 45. <laughs> okay. Well, you sound like you're 35. So, so the, um, I like you. Here, here's, here's the key is that listen okay. to what he just said. He waited too long. I mean, all due respect, sir. Yeah. He waited too long. Now that, I know you're 40, now, that you, now that I know you're 45, I'll call you sir. Okay. Yeah. And, and second of all, had he moved earlier, he would have actually done quite well off the stock. But here's really the interesting yeah. thing that I find so compelling about eXp as a value proposition <clears throat> to every agent. So, guys, listen yeah. to this. How do you make money now as an agent? You make money off your commissions. That's it. That's it. Yep. That's where you make your money. And in most cases, you're paying a ridiculous amount of money to your broker. I, the word, I, mean, I know he's going to listen, and I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But the best example or the worst example of the highest – I have a coaching client who came to me in the last six months, and he was paying his broker every year about $325,000. And he'd, he'd done the math, but he didn't really think about it. And, Justin, get this, his average commission is six grand, So he has to do 60 deals a year just to pay his broker. That's insane. But anyway, so just let's just focus on yeah. the cap. The cap at EXP is sixteen grand. Now, there's ways yeah. you can get the money back through ICON, and I'll talk to you guys about that in a second. But here's how you make money as an EXP agent. Obviously, selling real estate. 
You make money because they give you stock awards. Oh, Tim, don't talk about yeah. stock. I don't want to talk. Fine. But remember, they're giving you the stock, okay? They're so they're going to give you the stock. So if you don't want the stock, yeah. you can send it to Justin. But what I'm saying yeah, is exactly. it's I'll free. So, I need to make up four years of time, so just send it to me, please. Exactly. <laughs> and they, they let you buy stock from your real estate sales at a discount. There's that. There's a, we could argue that's another way of making money. But then they have this thing where they give you revenue share. So with EXP, not only is it essentially the – was there anything at your previous brokerage technology-wise that was better than EXP? If you're really, if we're just no. putting it out there, no, okay, no, so, and, but, and it's and to this day, there's still not with all the new stuff because I I know about it. I was I was part of those betas, and no, it's not even, it's not. It, I can tell you now, it's uh, right. Anyway. So so guys, listen. The fact is, is that EXP's technology and their value proposition to individual agents is good, if not better than wherever you are now. That's almost certainly a fact. Number two, you're paying probably on average two to three times more to your broker than you would be at EXP. There's another fact. Do your own math on that because a lot of you don't even know. Number three, it's perfect for agents at every point in their careers, whether they're brand new agents that got kick-ass new agent mentoring program, or whether you're a seasoned agent where you you know don't need mentoring but you just need to figure out how to basically take your profitability to the next level. EXP is perfect for that. You have the stock awards program. You can buy stock at a discount. In other words, you're an actual owner of the company, and they have the revenue yeah. share program. And I know you and I know a lot of the same people, but you can make so much money from the revenue share program. I had I was Facebook uh, texting with someone who I've known forever. And he goes, Jim, all the XP agents do is talk about the revenue share and how much money they're making off sponsoring other agents. I'm like, so? <laughs> I mean, what's your point? I mean, so yeah. they're excited about the company they're working for, and they want to bring their friends in. And if there's a financial yeah. benefit, does that automatically make it a bad thing? Of course it doesn't. I mean, so the reality of it is is that the old conversation was what are you paying your broker? The new conversation is what, are your, what is your broker paying you? What's your broker and paying EXP, you, exactly. Right, exactly. And EXP is the only company that has that. So listen, guys, we've got something that's super simple for you to do. If you want to watch a quick seven-minute video and sign up for a call with an agent attraction coach so that will answer all your questions. The video is free, so literally all you've got to do is text the word EXP to 31996, text the word EXP to 31996, and you'll automatically be sent back a quick video that you can watch. You can have the call with the agent attraction coach if you choose to, otherwise the video is there for you to watch, so just text the word EXP to 31996. So is there any downside to being at EXP? It's virtual. There's no office. Oh, I heard that. You know, that's a problem. There's no coffee cooler for people to stand around and gossip anymore. But, I mean, is that a problem, not having physical locations being virtual? No, it's not at all. And I want to say this because I'm trying to correct this as well. It's, it's our, our corporate office does not have brick and mortar. But if you want to have brick and mortar, if that's what you want to do, you can do it all day long, specifically just for you and your team or whatever. Um, and and that's, uh, I've started to have those conversations with people. I'm like, look, our corporate office is virtual, which is so much of a benefit for you. How amazing is it, you know, because I was part of an expansion uh, model for a little while. I had to deal with two different accounting people and not knowing what their rules were, or what they were doing. I literally walk into the world and go into one transaction office, and I love because I can just pull my ticket and sit there and wait for somebody, and I know that I'm dealing with my region and what's going on. Um, and, and even if you're 
helping somebody else in another region. It's those same specific people, and it's all virtual right there. You don't have to be in some other state or country to figure all those things out with yourself and, and other people. It's, it, this, this is so easy and so amazing. Uh, and one of the things I wanted to add to that that has been a benefit to us is the sharing and the uh, referral business. When you go into the, uh, the, the EXP world, into the virtual office, and you meet these people from all over the country, how easy it is to share your information with them and tell them about who you are, where you're at, and you would love the referrals, and you would love to start a referral business with them. It has been tremendous for us. And I, and I could never do that unless I was at a conference, physically at a conference once or twice a year, to network with other agents. Um, I could try to go search for them on Facebook, but that was difficult. Um, but literally, I could go into the world every single day and sit into a class, look at somebody next to me, see what their name is, go on to workplace, friend them there, send them a little message, and now I've connected with 10 people in, in one day. Um, it, it's been amazing for us as far as uh, growing our, our referral business throughout the country. You know, so. you know, it's also yeah. The referral thing is something that agents aren't taking advantage of. But I'll tell you things that's also interesting is you can go to Workplace, Facebook Workplace, EXP's Facebook Workplace, and you can actually yeah. have a direct chat with virtually for anyone in the company. I mean, the the founder Anybody. Glenn is on the is on Facebook mm -hmm. chat. You can just go there and you can send him a message and he'll send you a reply back. The, anybody I've, I've messaged with Glenn so many. It's it's amazing. I'll post something and it's, so I'll look at like who looked at it and I'm like oh Glenn looked at that. That's crazy. You know I. It just, it, you know, it's, it's, it's an awesome tool. And workplaces like Facebook years ago, like most, most companies are just now finding out about workplace, and we're inundated in it. I mean, we're one of the biggest models that use it, uh, companies that use it, and, and people are figuring it out and understanding that it's such a huge connector like Facebook has been, and people didn't understand it years ago when it first came out. Well, there's no ads. <laughs> you know, that's the big thing. There's no yeah. ads, and it, does, it yeah. doesn't connect with the public Facebook. But that aside, yeah. so podcast listeners, here's really the bottom line. I mean, if you want to build a very profitable business, and I didn't ask this question. It was kind of tacky, but what the hell? So when you make a dollar, what percent are you mm -hmm. keeping? Because it's, it's really critical that they understand this, the difference between running a smart, profitable practice and running a dumb, make-you-broke practice. How much profit are you guys making before personal expenses and taxes? Um, I would say we're at, oh gosh, the last time she checked it was like 86%. Yeah. I want you guys to think about what he just said. He's making 86%. He's a, and we didn't talk about this, but he's a, I'm, he is a capper. He's an icon agent at EXP, which means he paid his cap of $16,000. And Justin, you might know more about this than I do. And then you had to have a total GCI of 500000 after you capped or sold an additional 22 units. And there's some other caveats. Did I get that right? Yes. And then they give you your cap back in the form of EXPI stock. I mean, you have to, again, you have to, they give you 14000 I think, and then you get another 2000 you go to the shareholders meeting, which happened last month in Orlando. And then you essentially get all your cap back in the form of stock, and then you're 100%. So Justin yeah. right now has no commission split. So when he, that's the reason his profit margins are so high. How can EXP afford yeah. to do that? Because there's vir they're virtual. All the money that would have been going to the offices and the regions and the secretaries and the printers and the coffee makers and the whatever spirit day in the parking lot where we're going to have a barbecue, all the money that was wasted on physical locations, that profit is uh, shared with – that revenue is spent, sent back to the agents in form of revenue share. 
So the biggest problem with agents, and this is Gene's joke, not mine, but they, you know, basically they don't pay their taxes and they don't save any money. And as a result of that, when they reach their 40s, 50s, and 60s, they start having these little eye-opening experiences where, oh my gosh, what the hell am I going to do if there's one day where I don't have to sell real estate at this high level anymore? Well, they don't have an option. The old model was to yeah. buy a bunch of rental properties, and that's what Julie and I did. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you guys, that's yeah. not necessarily the path to Shengri La. <laughs> you know, the revenue <laughs> share model at EXP, which we didn't even talk about, is extraordinary. No. Um, you yeah. know, again, that's that's one of those things that if you guys want to learn more about that, just go ahead and text the word EXP to three one nine nine six. Text the word EXP to three one nine nine six, and it's explained in that quick seven minute video. So listen, man, we could go on forever and ever. Actually, this is one of my longest interviews in a long time. I think I we really I enjoyed it. I I did. You're great. That mean I talk too much? No, <laughs> no, I'm sure I did though. But podcast listeners are used oh, to it. Yeah, it's all good. Anything you'd like great, to say? Awesome. Anything you'd like no, to you say know, to I listeners? Just, yeah. Um, you know, I would just say uh, if you're here and you're thinking about it, you're on the fence. Don't be a Justin. Don't wait and see. If you if you have that gut feeling, move now because it's what I keep trying to uh, what i'm fighting against right now too is everybody keeps saying it's too late i should have got in no it's not this honestly and i'm not just saying this we haven't even scratched the surface Mm -mm. your potential coming to this company for yourself you know i'm not trying to sell you on anything you coming to this company and being um being able to be set up uh, like we are now where like you were saying earlier you know we we got our our when i go on and i log in and i see that sixteen thousand dollars of stock sitting there i wouldn't have had an opportunity to do that in another company i just haven't found one yet um and then the other things that they give you for you know doing your first transaction capping your transaction i mean we've only been there for 18 months and we've made icon and everything else but we're looking at like twenty five thousand dollars in stock for, and that was given to us um, with all, you know, um, with the people that we've attracted and, and them doing their French transaction, if you add it all up, I'm sorry, 22,000, I apologize. Um, but still, I, I've only been here 18 months. I would not have been able to do that at my previous company in 18 months. I, would, I just wouldn't have been able to do it. And you didn't. Um, so, and your your product. The other the other jab that people like to say is when people go to EXP, their production slows down because they focus on recruiting agents. The exact opposite is true. Because absolutely the way that, not. Yeah. You're motivated to sell more houses because of the fact that you're keeping more of your profit. You know, you're you're exactly. paying less to the broker and you make more money for selling more houses. Of course, you're going to be more motivated to sell more houses. That jab is ridiculous. Well, you know, we didn't even yeah. t- let's just touch on revenue share. I'm going to give an example, and I give this example a lot. Um, I know somebody you know her too. Her name's Nicole. She's up in Dallas. She's only she's been at DXP for I think two and a half years. She's only really sponsored less than twenty agents, and I know because she sent me a shot of it. Her revenue share last month was a little less than twenty thousand dollars. I'm not going to say her last name, and, and she's only personally in that amount of time brought on maybe like seventeen or eighteen agents. So the revenue yeah. share thing is real. And the amount of money you can make from the stock is real. The amount of profit you can increase your business to from the real estate side is real. There's nothing like it in the marketplace. There's nothing like it I've seen in almost three decades. This is the biggest no-brainer. And here, listeners, just think about this. Let's say you go to EXP and you go, oh, my gosh, I made a huge mistake. So what? 
You can go back. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can go to wherever broker you want to. It's not like you're exactly. signing up for the military for 18 years. You get what I'm saying, listeners? Yeah. This is a risk worth taking because there's virtually no risk to you. There's I I don't see any downside. So if you're interested in it, guys, text you. the word EXP to 31996. Hey, man, I really appreciate it. I've really thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you. It's so unbelievably refreshing for me to talk to people that are willing to tell the truth about their numbers. They're willing to tell the truth about the big team lie, which is what we call it. And, uh, you know, exactly. you didn't waste time talking about branding or a fancy website or your logo. You're focused no. on servicing no. your clients, being of service to other people, and making a lot of profit. I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. And I'm sorry we haven't met prior to today's podcast, honestly. No, it's all good. I enjoyed talking to you, too. I loved a lot of the stuff you said. It was made so much sense. So thank you for your you time. A, I appreciate you having me on. Hold on. You loved a lot of it, not all of it? Oh, bad. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right, podcast listeners, thank you. Hey, Justin, hold on the line. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.